Okay, so today I'm going to talk about oncogenes. I know I haven't uploaded a recording in a while because I've been grinding on this fat metabolism module. Uh, so good luck when you get there. It's like super content heavy. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, oncogenes, uh, if you recall um, the medical specialty oncology, uh, the study or the uh, you know treatment of cancer tumors, cancerous growths, all that stuff. Um, that's kind of the ballpark of what we're talking about here. So oncogenes are genes that code for proteins which direct cell growth. In other words, these are genes, a, a, a strand of DNA. So your your you know your DNA strand. Think of a DNA strand. You know maybe wrapped around a histone. Um, and this DNA strand, when you do all the pro, uh, protein synthesis stuff for it, you make a protein that directs cell growth. Okay, so we are talking about the blueprints for those proteins that direct cell growth. These blueprints are called oncogenes. And oncogenes actually begin as proto-oncogenes, which seems to be like a pre or immature form of the oncogene. Um, and that's not actually the case because proto-oncogenes code for their own proteins. Um, proto-oncogenes code for proteins that regulate cell growth and division. And then oncogenes code for proteins that direct this cell growth. Uh, and, and so... Um, if you're not clear with the concept of differentiation, it's how you know we all start with the same types of cells and then they differentiate into different uh, you know uh, components of various physiological systems, right? So, so you have one cell that becomes a muscle cell and another one becomes a heart cell, etc. Um, and so, uh, so I just didn't want you to think that proto oncogenes were like the dormant, deactivated form of the oncogene because they're not. Um, one thing to mention, though, is that proto-oncogenes uh, are converted to oncogenes via some tumor-inducing agent. So they require, they require interaction with the tumor-inducing agent to experience this conversion to oncogenes. And this actually makes sense that, that oncogenes and proto-oncogenes are both concerned with cell growth because tumors are unregulated cell growth, right? So it's when the body kind of loses control of its oncogenes and proto-oncogenes and the proteins that they're making. They're, they're coding proteins at their own pace now. And that's when you have a tumor or cancerous growth. So products of these genes are involved in signal transduction. So if you're familiar with cell signaling, how cells communicate with each other or foreign bodies. Um, and these products are also involved in the execution of mitogenic signals. Okay, and you might say, well, what the heck is a mitogenic signal? It's really easy. Mitogenic signals, mitogens are actually chemical substances that encourage a cell to begin division, right? So though it's kind of really easy to tell. Mitogen triggers mitosis, okay? Uh, so mitogens encourage cell division by giving a signal, right? So products of the proto and normal oncogenes are involved in the execution of these mitogenic signals, the signals that, you know, tell a cell to uh, divide, okay? Uh, so proto-oncogenes are converted to oncogenes via three main mechanisms, and they're really easy. We're not going to discuss like steps or anything. Just really all you need to do is know what they produce. Um, so we're going to breeze through them. Number one is deletion or point mutation. Number two is gene amplification or increased mRNA stability. And number three is chromosomal rearrangement. So the first mechanism is deletion or point mutation in a coding sequence. Okay, so I want you to think of your DNA strand or a piece of string or whatever. Maybe it's wrapped around a histone, like I said. Um, so deletion or point mutation, that it kind of tells you, the title tells you what, what's going to happen. Deletion is if you delete, uh, you know, one of the nucleotides from the sequence, you just cut it out. 
Uh, and then point mutation is where you alter one of the nucleotides in that sequence. Um, and, and you kind of are familiar with that. Uh, so deletion or point mutation can occur in DNA of the gene itself or within a regulatory region. What the heck does that mean? That means uh, we talked about the structure of eukaryotic um, DNA strand in the Jacobinode-Lac operon. Really, that was a very important module. Uh, and so we talked about how you have the transcribed region, but you also have the start and stop codons. And upstream of all of that, all of the stuff I just mentioned, you have a promoter region where the enzyme binds, typically polymerase, and then you have an operator region where the um, regulators bind, so repressors or activators, right? Um, so the idea here is that deletion or point mutation, if you want, if you want to convert the protogene to an oncogene, proto-oncogene, I'm sorry, proto-oncogene to an oncogene, if you want to facilitate this conversion, uh, you don't need to, you know, you know, mess up, you know, so delete or mutate the transcribed region itself. You, you don't need to mess up that part only. You can mess up one of the uh, regulatory regions as well. So the promoter or the operator region, and you will still cause this conversion. That's kind of the main idea. And so this mechanism one produces one of two scenarios. Number one is the loss of regulation, which causes overexpression of the normal protein. And and actually, I won't get into number two. Let me explain this one first. That sounded so confusing, right? Loss of regulation causing overexpression of the normal protein. Let's translate it. It's actually very simple. Loss of regulation. So the body no longer has regulation of this process, uh, causing overexpression of the normal protein. In other words, you're making the right protein, but it's being overexpressed. So let me let me give you an example. Say you have a protein that's really helpful for muscle cells. I know this doesn't have to do with cell growth. I'm just trying to keep it super basic. Say you're trying to make a protein that helps with your musculoskeletal system. It's needed for something, right? So you are making the right, the protein. The protein is coming out healthy. It's ready to do its job. Everything is cool. But instead of making one of these as you needed, you make two million. That's the problem here is loss of regulation. The body loses control over, you know, how it's making its proteins. And this causes an overexpression of the normal protein. So the normal protein is expressed, but to too great an extent, too many of them are produced, whatever it is. That's scenario one. Scenario two is that this leads to a hyperactive protein. So here, the number of proteins isn't the problem, or really that's kind of a specific example of overexpression. Here, expression of the protein isn't the problem. It's the protein itself. The protein is hyperactive, it's unstable, it's excited, right? Um, and so here you're, you know, in, in our example of the muscle uh, system protein, you're still making the same, you know, number of muscle cells. Say you need to make five, you're still making five, but they're hyperactive now. They're not really the right form, if you will. So deletion or point mutation either creates a hyperactive protein or it causes overexpression of the normal protein. Mechanism two is called gene amplification or an increase in mRNA stability. Um, and so this is actually a really simple idea. It's probably the easiest mechanism. Basically, when you increase the stability of the mRNA, does that increase or decrease its existence or its lifespan? It increases it, right? If you increase the stability of an mRNA, it prolongs its existence. We actually talked about this in uh, mRNA processing, right? When you add the five prime cap and the poly A tail, you're allowing it, you're, you know, taking steps necessary to ensure that it doesn't, you know, it's not hunted down by these exo and endonucleases. It doesn't react with anything that it's not supposed to react with. So when you have a very stable mRNA strand, it lives longer, literally. And therefore, mRNA activity in the cell increases as well. So again, this is to the point where it increases to an unhealthy level, where there's so much mRNA activity because the mRNAs are so stable. They're so, they're such strong molecules, if you think about it, that they're not dying off, 
right? They're not, so it's difficult to control them. As such, the body loses this control and this leads to an overexpression of the normal protein. So the same thing as mechanism one, but only scenario one where, you know, you overexpress the normal protein. So you make too many or whatever it is. Um, uh, Notice that there's no hyperactive protein formed by increasing mRNA stability. So both deletion and point mutation mechanisms or sorry, both the deletion point mutation mechanism and the gene amplification or mRNA stability mechanisms, both of these lead to an overexpression of a normal protein. Uh, finally, mechanism number three is chromosomal rearrangement. And this is the idea that um, genes can be translocated to nearby regulatory sequences. Okay, so uh, let me let me explain. When you have the gene, your DNA strand, you know, you know, literally think of like a piece of string and then you cut out like the middle and move it somewhere else, move it somewhere along. So instead of, you know, you take it out of the middle of the sequence, instead you move it to the front or you move it to the back. This is kind of what's going on. Uh, and it doesn't even need to be on, you know, like the, the transcribed region. It can be a regulatory sequence. It actually is a regulatory sequence. So translocation of a gene to a nearby regulatory sequence. This causes two scenarios like mechanism one, uh, and one of them, you guessed it, is it causes overexpression of that gene and therefore that protein. So actually, you know, overexpression of the normal protein occurs in all three mechanisms, right? Number two is that this, um, this gene that's being translocated that you're grabbing, cutting out and moving somewhere else, it fuses to an actively transcribed gene. So you have a gene that's, you know, you have a separate gene that's being transcribed on its own. There's no problem with it. But then all, you know, out of nowhere, this, you know, section of a different strand comes and attaches itself to the strand that's being transcribed by an enzyme, right? So now you've essentially elongated the strand. Right, and you've you've changed the the um, the code. Right, you were trying to make one protein, but now you've added some uh, uh, sequence to the end. You've elongated it. Now it's going to make a completely different protein. Right, uh, and so this is again how it's kind of altering, forming these oncogenes. Um, so mechanism three causes an overexpression of that fusion protein. Right, you know, fusion protein meaning the new protein that was formed as a result of the fusing of those nucleotide sequences. You weren't supposed to fuse them. It was supposed to you know, there were parts of, there were strands of two separate, um, there were parts of two separate strands, but unfortunately they fused due to that translocation. The gene kind of just came and attached itself. And that's why we have this fusion protein that gets overexpressed. Also mechanism three can create a hyperactive protein. So, um, I'll kind of review here really quickly. Mechanism one creates a hyperactive protein or the loss of regulation causes an overexpression of the normal protein. Mechanism two, uh, leads to an overexpression of the normal protein. Mechanism three causes an overexpression of that fusion protein, or it creates a hyperactive protein. Uh, and so really the key idea is that conversion of proto-oncogenes to oncogenes always result in either overexpression of a protein or it it results in a hyperactive protein. And in the case of the overexpression, it can be the overexpression of a normal protein. In other words, you were trying to make a muscle cell and you made a bunch of muscle cells, but you made too many. That's overexpression of the normal protein. I should have said muscle protein. I said cell, I'm sorry, muscle protein. Uh, And then you can also overexpress the fusion protein. So you made like, you were trying to make a muscle protein and instead you made, you know, you know, a bunch of muscle proteins and they're slightly altered because it's a fusion protein. Um, And so these are, that's actually the end of the three mechanisms. But the idea with the fusion protein is that the gene itself or another gene may be overexpressed or made hyperactive. So now that I've talked about the different mechanisms, I will discuss the uh, I will discuss five examples of oncogenes, uh, and we're actually familiar with a few, but I just want to make absolutely sure. Uh, so these are SRC, 
Ross, M-Y-C, R-T-K, and C-T-K. Um, and so before I actually talk about it, I want to make it like very clear because, uh, you know, if you know this little bit of information, it makes understanding these a lot easier. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the concept of RTKs or receptor tyrosine kinases, kinases themselves, tyrosine kinases or kinases in general, um, they're always involved in phosphorylation for activation. Okay, so if you have a tyrosine kinase, that means it's going to phosphorylate molecules to activate them and dephosphorylate molecules to deactivate them. That's just what kinases do. It's a, it's a class, basically, a group of molecules that all do this phosphorylation to activate molecules. Um, and so once I start explaining this, it'll, it'll be clear why I mentioned that. So the first one is SRC, uh, and this is the first confirmed oncogene. Uh, and SRC actually stands for sarcoma, which is the tumor of connective tissue cells. Uh, you know, we don't really need too much backup background, but this is the important part. SRC codes for non-receptor protein tyrosine kinase. Therefore, it phosphorylates specific tyrosine residues and other proteins to turn them on or off. Okay, and I told you, tyrosine kinases, all they do is phosphorylate to activate or turn on or off. The only, the, the specific thing here is that it codes for non-receptor protein tyrosine kinases. In other words, you know, this is contrasted with RTKs, which are receptor tyrosine kinases. Okay, so uh, the only difference between SRC and uh, and uh, RTKs is that um, the location of, of them, okay? And SRC is a non-receptor tyrosine kinase. So it, it literally sits inside the cell and it does its work from inside the cell. Whereas an RTK sits on the cell membrane. It sits on the surface of the cell uh, and it, it's, it's a receptor, like in the case of receptors and ligands, right? You're familiar with these. So these are receptor proteins, but they both do the same thing of phosphorylating proteins to turn them on or off. So I actually just explained to you both SRCs and RTKs. The only difference is the location. RTKs are on the outside, SRCs are on the inside, but they both phosphorylate to activate. So that's numbers one and two. Number three is ROS, and this codes for GTPase, uh, which hydrolyzes GTP to GDP in a phosphate group. Um, you might not be familiar with ATP hydrolysis just yet because we haven't talked about it, but for those of you who are familiar, you know that, you know, it, I mean, it's a pretty simple product. It's a pretty simple idea. All you're doing is chopping off a phosphate group from ATP, and this releases a lot of energy. This is almost the exact same case with GTP. You're hydrolyzing it to GDP in a phosphate. Um, but ROS is actually a family of protein, of related proteins that, that uh, all belong to a class of proteins called small GTPase. Um, uh, and so all these proteins in ROS are involved in signal transduction in cell signaling. Um, so what I was talking about with the proto-oncogenes, how they're involved with um, uh, how products of proto-oncogenes and normal oncogenes are involved in cell signaling, this is how, through this ROS oncogene. Um, think of ROS kind of like a binary switch that is activated by growth factor signaling. So it's, it's like a switch on the outside of the protein that, you know, lets molecules know, hey, I can be activated or deactivated. Like I'm, I'm able to be deactivated if need be. Um, and so, so again, ROS codes for GTPase, uh, which is involved in that signal transduction. Again, you don't need to know too much exactly about this. Just know that number one, know that it's involved in signal transduction. And number two, think of it as that switch. Uh, so that's SRC, RTK, ROS, MYC is nice and short. It codes for a transcription factor that induces cell proliferation. 
Okay, so this is a transcription factor that induces cell proliferation or rapid growth of cells. Okay, and this this is kind of the one that for me makes like the most sense because again, what, what are we talking about here? We're talking about tumors, right? Unregulated cell growth. You know, in the case of some cancerous growths, they grow super fast, which is exactly what we're talking about. MYC induces cell proliferation, this rapid growth. And so th this is actually the, the four main ones that I wanted to draw the distinction of. I'll get to CTKs in a second, but just to quickly review, both SRC and RTKs are kinases, so they phosphorylate to activate. MYC is for proliferation, and, R and ROS is the switch for signal transduction. So you can kind of think of like SRCs and RTKs as like the finger that flips the switch. Okay, so ROS is the switch itself, which allows, which is the cell saying, hey, I can be activated or deactivated. I can't activate or deactivate myself. I can't flip my own switch, but it's a possibility. Somebody can do it for me, deactivating me. And then SRCs and RTKs are the finger that literally activates or deactivates through phosphorylation. And, and I know it's, it's getting a little confusing here. You're like, wait, what? what's a finger? What's a switch? So let me kind of, the module actually discusses RTKs in a little bit more depth. Um, I want you to imagine that the cell receives a signal from one of its receptors. Okay, so there's a signal. Uh, and this signal is propagated or transmitted into the cell via these RTKs. Because why? Because they're receptors, right? They're on the surf surface of the cell. So they can receive the signal and transmit it into the, to the people inside the cell. Not the people, but the... the uh, the, the interior of the cell. So RTKs add a phosphate. I, I told you they phosphorylate. Uh, so they add a phosphate group to the target protein. Specifically, a phosphate is added to the tyrosine residue. So, you know, if you pick apart the, the acronym RTK, receptor tyrosine kinase. Receptor is the location of the oncogene. Where is the oncogene? It's on the surface as a receptor. That's why it's called a receptor. Number two, tyrosine. Where it does its work. Where, where does it phosphorylate? Where do RTKs phosphorylate? They phosphorylate to the tyrosine residues. That's why it's called the receptor tyrosine. Where does kinase come from? Kinase is what work does it do? It, kinase describes the type of work it does, which is it adds phosphate groups to substrates. So receptor is the location, it's on the surface. Tyrosine is where does it phosphorylate? Where does it do its work? It phosphorylates the tyrosines. And kinase is what exactly does it do? It phosphorylates. Uh, and so we kind of picked that apart, but these RTKs may phosphorylate permanently or constitutively, like continuously, even in the absence of outside signals. And this is cancer. When RTKs or some oncogene work independent of receiving signals. So the body or foreign signals, you know, uh, you know, aren't given. The body didn't tell you to start dividing and you started dividing anyway, this is cancer. The body didn't tell these RTKs to phosphorylate and they're phosphorylating anyway, that's cancer. And so I just wanted to make that absolutely clear. And so some examples of these RTKs are these really long acronyms, VEGF, which stands for vascular endothelial growth factors, uh, EGRF or epidermal growth factors, and finally PDGF, so platelet-derived growth factors. Uh, so growth factors, you know, kind of describe most of the RTKs. Um, finally, uh, I will discuss CTKs, which stand for cytoplasmic tyrosine kinases. Um, and you can already kind of tell a little bit what this is going to do. I mean, it is a tyrosine kinase, but phosphorylates. Um, but, you know, CTKs are a little bit different. They mediate uh, the response to the activation of receptors. So in other words, CTKs, uh, they stop or control 
proliferation, differentiation, survival, and migration uh, of uh, cells or whatever molecules. Um, and CTK does this by lessening the response that activates receptors of these actions. So in other words, you know, if, if you have a receptor that you know, signals to the interior of a cell, hey, we need to proliferate, we need to you know, go crazy, like grow super fast, the CTK lessens the response of this receptor. The receptor isn't able to communicate as, um, you, you know, as effectively with its, its uh, cell. Uh, or whatever molecule. Um, and so it kind of uh, prevents these uh, proliferation, um, differentiation, survival, and migration, prevents them or controls them. Uh, an example of this is the BCR-ABL gene. Um, and that's when you have the fusion of DNA from various chromosomes. Okay, so if you have, you know, you know one chromosome or two chromosomes, whatever, um, and say you label like one uh, one, you know, one part of the chromosome BCR and then another chromosome, you label one of its parts ABL. And now those two, those two parts, BCR and ABL fuse. So these fragments of the chromosomes fuse together. As a result, the genes on these chromosomes fuse, which creates the BCR ABL gene. And this new fuse gene codes for proteins with high protein tyrosine kinase activity. And again, you might say, wait, but I thought, you know, like, Aren't tyrosine kinases good? They activate or deactivate? Yes, they are, but when they're controlled, when they're uncontrolled, that's cancer. And I'm just telling you that this fuse gene creates proteins that uh, with a high protein tyrosine kinase activity. They're very active, basically. So they're already kind of pushing towards that cancerous growth phase because they're already, you know, so ready to work, you know, do so much, you know, cause cell proliferation or whatever it might be. Um, and so unregulated expression of this protein, so when this protein, this BCR-ABL gene, the protein that it codes for, when its expression is unregulated, blows up, or you know, it goes crazy, um, this activates other division-related proteins, and this causes cancer. If you're familiar with the concept of kinase cascades, where you have one cascade or one phosphorylation um, cause multiple others, this is kind of the same idea. Uh, provided that the BCR-ABL gene is uh, unregulated.